Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chittam. This is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there who are working hard to get better while balancing running with the rest of their lives. Fun show today with Natalie Mitchell, who shared a lot of knowledge about getting better as a master's runner, which is, I mean, shoot, if you can get better while you're a master's runner, think about how much those lessons will help you before you're a master's runner, right? I mean, it just those kind of timeless concepts really help so many people. Natalie is proof that you could just keep getting better and better. And she has shown that time and time again. In addition to that, we're going to talk about her, basically her efforts working with younger runners, whether it's her kids or the kids that she coaches. She has done a great job of nurturing, um, I guess, that, that running habit and that running talent in her family and in her, in her community. And it's really paying off. And I couldn't wait to pick her brain about that topic as well. Before we get into it, I just want to say a couple things. Also, shout out to our sponsors. We have You Can, of course, always a big shout out to UCAN. They're just such a great and valuable sponsor for us. If you go to UCAN.co, that's C-O forward slash Rambly, you can get six free edge gels for free. All you have to do is pay shipping. So if you haven't tried them before, give them a try. If you have tried them before, hey, you get six free ones. of stuff you already like. That's always great stuff. Also, kudos to, to uh, Running Warehouse for sponsoring the show. You can check out their links in the show notes, which they are affiliate links. They really help the show. And you get the same savings that you always would get at Running Warehouse, which is a, uh, a lot of savings. That's for sure. They do a great job with all of their pricing. Last but not least, I did an Instagram poll last week on, uh, on my Instagram feed. That's rambling underscore runner. And I did a little poll to say, hey, do you want Road of the Trials on the rambling runner feed? Or do you like it that I separate the two? And I'll tell you what, I was, interesting to, I was interested to see how the poll would shake out. And 97% of you, and a lot of people voted too, 97% of you said you wanted Road to the Trials intermixed on the Rambling Runner feed. Just one feed of all the shows. So that's exactly what we're going to do. So starting next week, all the Road to the Trials episodes are going to be coming on to the Rambling Runner feed. Not the old shows, we're not going to bring those on, but any new episode is going to be on Rambling Runner. So I'm really excited about that. So let's get into it with Natalie Mitchell. All right, Natalie Mitchell, welcome back to the show. Matt, thank you so much for having me. This is going to be great. It's my pleasure. Now, I think the last time you were on the show was a while ago. Now, we've talked since then. We actually met in person. We've done a lot of cool things. But I think the last time you came on the show, this was before you had your own show. Now, in addition to everything else, you're also a podcaster yourself with over 120 episodes. I know. A lot has changed in the, I don't know, it's been some years since I was first on. You were just getting started, or maybe you had been on for like a year or so. Yeah, I think it was about a year. I think maybe in 2019-ish. Yeah, somewhere yeah, anyway, in there. In the meantime, you just keep getting better and better, Natalie Mitchell. I can't wait. So this conversation, we're going to talk about a couple different things, and obviously the conversation goes wherever it goes. But two main points is getting better as a master's runner is a big one, and also is something you've done exceptionally well that I can't wait to pick your brain on because I am not good at it at all. And that, shoot, that counts for the master's running. But even more so with the being a parent or just any any adult trying to help younger runners, you know, middle schoolers, young high school students, maybe even older elementary school kids getting into the sport as well. And there's something that you know, you've nurtured, you know, your kids and, and I think you've coached other people's kids as well um, to that end. So I think we'll start with you and we'll definitely get to the the uh, the coaching point here, especially with the youngsters, because there's a lot of people, whether they're parents or they work with girls on the run or they're just interested in starting stuff like this, whether it's informal or formal, I think it's a it can be a really helpful tool uh, for a lot of people, namely me, who wants to get better at this stuff. <laughs> so scratching my own itch here a little bit. But Natalie, 
you ran Boston this year. You ran exceptionally well. Again, we'll talk about how well it went because I know everyone has goals and everyone wants to do what the, you know the reach reach their current you know fitness level on race day. It's always the goal for everybody. Um, but I think the, the unofficial time I have here is three eighteen forty nine, which is an incredible time. Congratulations. Let me also put that in context. You finished in the top twelve percent of women's runners, and you finished twenty seventh. In your age group, 50 to 54, 27th out of 1,200. That's top 3% in your age group. Natalie Mitchell, congratulations. You know, thank you so much. But that just goes to show you how many fast women are out there. I mean, I you know, I mean, there's a lot of fat of women that were faster than me on that day in my age group. So I love that. That's like something to be excited about. I mean, there's some incredible athletes out there. So... I love that that's where you went with it because I think that pretty much sums up everything I was going to hope to tease out of you. <laughs> the fact that you saw 27 and went like, that's a lot of people who beat me, where I would have been like, holy cow, look at all these people I happen to beat. I think I'm pretty much near the top. You looked at that 27 and you're like, all right, there's 26 people ahead of me. That's just that's too big of a number. That's just too big. That's too big of a number. I got to whittle that down. <laughs> <laughs> have you always been? You know, uh, competitive, uh, either with either in athletics or in other parts of your life. Has that always just been um, a hallmark of your personality or is that something you've grown into? I think a little bit of both, actually. I feel like I'm definitely more competitive now than I was probably in my college and maybe even high school years. In fact, I think that if I would take some of that competitive nature that I have now and like have used that when I was younger, I think that my running would have gone in a totally different direction. And I, you know, it's interesting now we were talking about this, like, you know, with social media now, I didn't have social media when I was in high school and college, you know, and you can see so much what people are doing and there's so much more information, not to mention the technology, which is a whole different subject in a sense, but like, you there's just a whole new world now of seeing like what your potential can be and what is possible for you i think with with all of that kind of being able to get a peek into what professionals are doing what regular people are doing and you kind of think gosh i can do a piece of that i can do part of that i can train like that too at least to a certain extent so when did you start to notice or maybe looking back now you know with hindsight being 2020 where do you think or when do you think that the competitive start the competitiveness started to ramp up a little bit, especially on the running front. I think after I got done having kids, when we were kind of like, we're done, we're not having any more kids. And at first the competitive nature wasn't like this really intense. I didn't go into it guns blazing. I didn't say like, Oh my gosh, I'm going to, you know, pop out this last kid and I'm just going to start, you know, trying to run really phenomenally. It was kind of like a gradual thing where I just wanted to just get back into running and, and feeling more like myself and train and kind of see what I could do. And then over time, over a period of three, four, five years, I would really say probably from 2014 to 2017 was just kind of like getting my toe back in the water. And then 2017 was when I was kind of like, you know what, I have this fire burning in my belly and it's not going away. So let's just see what happens. So at that point, you were roughly 44 years old, right? Or so? Yeah. Or yeah. I have to think yeah. about so, that. But yes. 
so at that age, you're like, all right, now now I'm gonna now I'm gonna really ramp it up. I'm gonna see what I can get out of myself, get out of my body, and really see what's possible. Did you have role models at that point, or people that you um, you know look to as like either mentors or aspiring to be? Because you mentioned before, like you know, seeing people on social media can be motivating. Were there people in your life or from afar that you viewed that way? That's a good question. I have to say the answer would be kind of no in the sense that like I wasn't looking at another woman or even another man at my age and saying, oh, they're doing this. I want to do that too. It was more in the sense of like, I just felt like I wasn't done, not by a long shot. And, you know, a lot of times people are really shutting things down at 40 and, you know, and, and definitely at like 45, it's like, okay, my PR days are over. A lot of times that's, you know, that was the sentiment. Whereas I think now there's the tide is changing. I think people are realizing that they, they don't have to be done unless they really want to be. And there's a lot more left in the tank. So I really, I mean, to answer your question, I can't think of one specific person that I was looking up to. I just knew that I felt really strong. I felt really good. My body didn't feel used up because I probably didn't run to my potential, you know, when I was 25 or 20. And so I was like, why do I need to stop? Why do I need to, you know, why do I need to stop? I feel, I feel really good. And I, let's just keep going and see where it takes us. Yeah. I love that. And I, I love that the way you described it. Cause I was, you know, what I was going to tee you up that next was like, all right, how did you like? How did you have that kind of faith in yourself in terms of like? All right, like I know there's more here, you know. I I feel really strong even though I'm not near my potential, which is kind of like a hard thing to gauge, right? Usually, if you're like far away from your potential, you don't feel really strong for the same reason that you're not close to your potential, right? It's hard. To, <laughs> it's kind of hard to witness it in a sense. How much of it was born out of I know what's in my body and I know where I can get to or potentially, or how much was it like just ground and like just faith in yourself. Like, Hey, I, I, I just believe in me. Yeah. Um, I really do believe in myself. I mean, definitely I have days where it's like, Oh my gosh, this is tough. Or, you know, we all have bad days and we have really bad runs and we have, you know, bad periods in our life. But I feel like ultimately I believe and I believe, I believed and I believe in myself as a runner. Um, and I believe that there's a lot left there that I haven't tapped into. So, you know, I love it. I love that you went present tense there. You weren't talking past tense. You're like, no, I still believe this present tense all the way, baby. (laughs) All right. So, so at that, at that moment in time, again, it probably wasn't like a moment. It was probably, you know, a period of time that you were, you know, thinking and realizing these things, but from those moments, what changed in you in terms of not just like the mental and approach wise, but also how that approach manifested itself in terms of what you were doing on a daily, weekly, monthly basis in training to realize that potential that you, that you knew you had. So, you know, we all, we always talk about like, you know, there's no overnight success, right? It's, it's years and years of chipping away and honing away at, you know, at your craft. And so I really felt like over a period of time, I, my body felt durable. I felt like I was getting stronger, 
faster. And I knew I was putting in the work. I knew that I wasn't just, I don't know, like, like I really have a lot of respect for the distance and for the work that goes into it. And so I'm really good about like, if I have a coach or if I have a schedule, I'm going to follow it to the best of my ability, which is, I mean, pretty type A about it. Like if it says do this, I'm going to do that. I mean, sometimes I change it around depending on life and all of that. But um, I really felt like, you know, over the period of like three or four years that, you know, my training was going really well and I was feeling really strong and my times were getting faster and I was getting older and my times were getting faster. Um, and I wasn't feeling like I was ready to shut it down. And I think also too, you know, for a professional runner, once they've, you know, hit kind of like all the goals that they have, like maybe they've, they're an Olympian or, or world champion, or they've won a major marathon and all these different, you know, milestones that professional runners have, they kind of feel in a sense, not completely. And I mean, I think no one is completely satisfied, but maybe they come to a point where they're like, I'm good. Right. And I never had that. I mean, I'm not comparing myself to a professional runner. I am not a professional runner. But like there was a lot of things in my running that I didn't feel like were fulfilled. And so it was finally at that moment where I'm like, I'm I'm 40, I'm 42, I'm 44 years old. And I feel like there's this whole door opening for me. And I can either choose to walk through it and not worry about what people are saying about in the world, like, oh, I'm old, I'm this, I'm that. And I can just walk through it and, and believe in myself, or I can walk away from it. And I chose to walk through the door. So I love it. So let's talk about let's talk about the room that you entered when you did that. So what did talk to me about like the increased mileage or any strength training you did or anything else that was a shift from pre opening the door, Natalie, to post opening the door, Natalie? Yes. Um, I Well, I hired a coach. So that was that was something new. I hadn't hired a coach or had a coach since college. Um, so that was a that was something new. And then from there, it was an increase in mileage. Um, so do, you know, doing... do you know like from what to what or what kind of progression it was? Yeah, I mean, I think um, – so before I had kids and I was running marathons and I was just using a training plan, I didn't have a coach and I was probably running 40 or 50 miles a week. I'm guessing here, but I think that's probably about, about the range. And, you know, my long runs were just kind of very, there was nothing in them. It was just kind of like, I would just go out and run a 20 mile run for if I was in the middle of a marathon training block and there was no speed work or speed element. There was nothing in there. Um, I was just kind of like going out and running whatever pace, easy pace. Um, strength training was minimal. I would say just, you know, very minimum training for, uh, um, strength training. And, then I hired a coach. We put in more miles. Um, I definitely focused on strength training quite a bit. There was definitely some, you know, spice added to my week in the sense of like, you know, when I had a 16 mile or a 20 mile long run, there was some work put in there, some speed work. 
Um, and it just kind of really took things to a different level. And I think when you do that over time, over, you know, years, couple years, two, three, four years, um, you do see a difference. And during those two, three or four years, did you kind of stay on the marathon track or what? Talk to me about your race selection and how that played into your goals at the time. I would say mostly we were focused on marathon, half marathon, um, definitely doing a little bit of 5K, 10K work, but not a ton. And I'm changing. I mean, I've been changing that over time, really trying to work more on speed. Um, but definitely a very, um, very marathon specific focus. Doing half marathons is like tune up type things, which I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with. 5K, 10K is kind of like on the off season when you're not marathon training. Um, and that was pretty much the pattern. Gotcha. And as you were progressing, could you like, how did it change once you were kept getting better and better, how you viewed your goals and your potential and the things that you were striving for? So there was a point where, and I've told this story before, but like, I just was really like, I just want to run a 315 marathon. Right. I, I, you know, once I had L, our youngest, I ran a marathon in 332. And that was just me with a training plan with no coach. And I thought, I feel really good. I feel like there's a lot more left in the tank. So then I hired a coach and then um, I ran a 326 at Boston. And then I ran a 323. And then I thought, you know, there's still a lot left. Um, I kind of lost my train of thought, Matt. Sorry. <laughs> That's right. No, so you, you you hired a coach, and it seemed like you were getting that, that PR down from 332 to 326 to 323. And we were talking about, like, the shifting goals that can happen as you're progressing yeah. and getting better and better. Yeah. So then I got when I got down to 323, and then I ran a 313 at CIM in 2017. Um Right around that time, right around that year, 2017, I realized that um, I had a lot of goals left that I that I felt like I was still capable of doing. And that's when the sub three hour, um, <laughs> the sub three hour goal kind of, you know, made its way into my mind, which I had never thought about before. I never even thought I, anything that started with a two and me running a marathon, it didn't even seem like, it wasn't even like that I didn't see, think that it was possible. I just didn't think about it. And then suddenly I started thinking about that being a possibility and that I felt like I could, something that I could work toward. And so 2017 um, kind of changed my thinking and I thought, yeah, I think I can run a sub three hour marathon. And so we've just been kind of chipping away. Now, Throwing big goals in the mix, especially after you've had repeated successes, for some people, oftentimes can affect their joy for the sport, right? All of a sudden, they're chasing a number. I've had a lot of people on this show talk about that feeling of like, all right, like I'm going after this one specific goal, and then my whole training becomes about that. And because I love running so much, it feels like my whole personality comes about that. And then that can be a drag after a while, right? How can it not be, right? If your hobbies, become these sort of like stress bearing objects like yes that's not the best feeling we have enough stress already we don't need our hobbies to be stressful right so how or just talk to me about your experiences either 
with that paradox or how you managed to avoid it if you did. Hey folks, are you tired of the spike and crash and GI distress that comes with sugar-based sports nutrition? Well, it's time to give UCAN a try. UCAN energy, energy powders, gels, and bars utilize steady-release carbs instead of sugar so you don't feel the highs and lows in energy. I use a scoop of UCAN powder every single morning as part of my breakfast. Also, the Edge Energy Gels. Oh my gosh, they are the best. They have that consistent fuel. They also taste fantastic, and they're almost like a liquid gel. They go down so smooth without any lingering aftertaste in your mouth. The top marathoners in the U.S., Emily Sisson, Kira D'Amato, Sarah Hall, Emma Bates, all rely on UCAN to fuel their training and their racing. Emma fueled her fifth place finish at Boston with one Edge Energy Gel every 5K and felt strong throughout the race without experiencing any GI distress. UCAN's award-winning Edge Energy Gels just last longer than other gels and provides a more consistent feeling of energy, all with zero sugar. Here's your chance, because UCAN is offering Rambling Runner listeners an exclusive chance to try six energy samples for free. So six energy gel edge samples for free. All you pay is the shipping cost. Head over to UCAN.co forward slash rambling to, cr- to claim this exclusive offer. That link is in the show notes. That's UCAN.co forward slash rambling for the edge energy gel offer. Also, if you're already a fan of UCAN and you just want to save 20% on all their products, then just use ramble- code rambling at checkout to do just that. That's a good question. I, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I feel like now I look at my life and I realize that I have built a life around running between a career and personal pursuits and my kids and like kind of all of it. I'm like, I realize that, you know, we are def- definitely a running family. Um, I really, and I love that. I really do. I'm so proud of it. I'm proud of like what we're building and what we have built and kind of like goals and dreams that we have, you know, with, with the career of it, the career part of it. Um, but I really try not to let the training and my goals like take over my whole life. I try not to do that. You know, I try to like put it in its box, do my run and, and then I put it away and I go do the rest of my life. And now that's easier said than done because there, you know, if you do want to take your running to the next level, there are all these little things that I have to think about during the day, like foam rolling and stretching and mobility and like PT work. And I do all of that stuff and I try to do it. And so it ends up being this hodgepodge of like doing it in pieces throughout my day while I'm working and kids and all of that. And, and I realize you know, very clearly that if I don't make time for those things and I don't make time to do core work and strength training, that I'm not going to, I'm not going to get where I need to be. So that being said, it is important, but I try not to let it take over my whole life. Yeah. And how do you approach <laughs> running just, just an everyday run, right? You're going out for a run. How do you approach it to try to keep that, that mindset of like that run happy mindset? And we always talk about Run happy. You've done a lot of stuff with Brooks in the past, and I know that's their mantra. Again, it's one of those easier said than done feelings. No one's ha- no no runner in the world is happier than the one who just got injured, who's finally back to running. <laughs> but if someone's been healthy for a while, it's easy to lose sight of it, right? So, what are some things that you try to do, or maybe even instill in younger runners to try to keep that that feeling? Because ultimately, like if we, I would say, and I'd love to hear your opinion on this, not to make it a five part question, but like 
it's easier to reach your goals if you kind of have that feeling associated with your running as opposed to it being a drag on you. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, you know, I think I really do realize that, like, you're not promised tomorrow. You know what I mean? And and, and I say that in the sense that, like, yeah, maybe I don't feel like going on this run today. Like, I have all this stuff going on, and I'm tired, and, like, you know, this kid needs something from me, and I have a mountain of homework to help three kids with or whatever. And so it would be so easy to skip this run today. Absolutely the easiest thing right now. But I know that, you know, I I don't want to, you know, I hesitate bringing age to it, but let's do that. If you bring the age part into it, right, I'm like, maybe I don't have 10 more years to achieve this goal. Maybe I do, but let's just err on the side of maybe I don't, or maybe it's going to be harder. So if I want to run a sub three hour marathon, right, go do the run. Go do the run. Go get the work done and figure it out. Like if it really means something to you, because I don't want to have regrets later, like two years from now or five years from now and be like, shoot, I should have just done the work. Just do the stinking work. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, you're speaking my language now as (laughs) as the procrastinator in chief. (laughs) The running podcast community. Um, No, I gosh, man, I hear you. And it can be it can be tough. Right. And especially. You mentioned before you are pretty you can be type A about it, you know, which I think is a huge positive. But also when you hear about people who, you know, can burn out from their goals, usually it's the type A runners, right? But they're also runners that usually achieve their goals too. So, you know, I guess you take the good with the bad. Uh, you have a whole stack of running books behind you. Like I know you I know you love running, you live in a running house. Um literally, actually literally and metaphorically, if you just look behind you. So that's obviously a really fun thing. With that said, before we started recording today, I was telling you, like, oh, my God, look at these amazing Boston stats that you that you have. It's truly incredible. And you actually told me, like, hey, yeah, you know, it's it was fine. It was, a, it, was it was an OK race. You know, like you weren't obviously like as jazzed about it as I was you know, re- reading the stats back. So talk to me about, you know, how you handle those races where it's maybe not where you wanted to be. But also, it's not like that complete like flame out, right? I think sometimes some of us have a hard time knowing what to do with those kinds of races, right? Like we know how to handle the PR, we know how to handle like the. I started puking at mile twenty-one. What are you gonna do, right? Like I kind of walked to the finish line. I didn't have a choice, right? So those middle ground races, and for all of us, that middle ground is in a different spot. But how how do you handle those races, and how has that changed over time? Oh man, I try to put it in perspective and, you know, being on social media, I will say like, you know, you, you kind of open up your life to people, right? You, you show them what you're doing. You kind of get, let them have a peek into your life and your training and what you're training for. And, you know, sometimes you talked about your hopes and dreams about what you hope to get out of the cycle. And then the race comes and, Sometimes you have an amazing day, but we all know that like there's so much that goes into that. Everything has to like come together and align almost perfectly, not necessarily perfectly, but you know, there's a lot that has to go right to have that great day. And so the days that you don't have the great day and you don't want to feel, I don't want to feel like, like I'm complaining because I know sometimes it's like, oh man, you know, I'm really bummed because I ran this time and it might be someone else's dream time. But I I think 
you you think in your mind about like all that you put into the cycle and like all that you mentally, physically, like family time, like all the things, your family supporting you, your coach and all of that. And so, and you know that you're capable of running a certain time and you know, like you have shown that in your workouts and it is a bummer when it doesn't come out in the race. Um, but I really do try to keep it in perspective. Number one, I'm just grateful that I have a strong body and that my body is performing for me. I know what it's like to be injured. I know what it's like to have big injuries. So I'm always happy to be out there. I mean, we should say your husband, right before this race started, tore his Achilles tendon. So you'd be like, hey, at least I can run the Boston Marathon. Gerald, he's just hobbling around. <laughs> I, I haven't even talked about it on social media because I'm just like, are you seriously freaking kidding me? I go to the Boston Marathon, and while I'm in the marathon uh, during that weekend, I call to check in, and, and he just didn't sound like himself. And I'm like, what's going on? And he's like, he tells me he te- tears his Achilles tendon because he's playing basketball with Josh. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me after the year that we've had. But anyway, yes, I feel grateful to be out there, and I know that eventually I will have the day that I want to have, and it'll all come together, and it'll be worth it. Yeah, right, and, it, and it's easy to – to embrace those days, right? But it just gets trickier when you're like, all right, I was at this potential and I just didn't quite get there. And again, it can get tricky, right? Because you mentioned, you don't want to like, you want to come across as like, all right, this is bad. I got a bad time, but it's all relative, right? We're all talking about maximizing our own potential on race day, but and you've run marathons for a long time now and you've experienced a lot of different races and you've had the races where you PR, you've had the races that you didn't and bouncing back from those races that didn't go quite your way how how have you kind of approached those in particular in terms of getting back on the horse and making sure that you're in the right mindset to approach that next you know that next race or that next challenge that you're hoping to to get after well i really do try not to do to have revenge marathons you know how that is oh that's a great phrase i haven't heard that one that's really good where you're like, oh, shoot, I trained so hard. I know I have it in me, and this day just didn't go the way I wanted it for whatever reason. And then you, you know, embark on a revenge marathon, and that can really blow up in your face. So I try not to do that. Um, I did do this season, this winter-spring season, I did back-to-back marathons. I think there was 10 weeks in between Mesa and Boston, but it wasn't a revenge marathon thing. It was just kind of like I had a great opportunity through Morton to run the Boston Marathon, and I thought, you know, this this will be fun to do. I've never done two marathons in two months, so I I was excited about that. But um, but yeah, now that that that's over, you know, Boston is behind me. Um. And it didn't, it was a, it was a great experience and it was, you know, I got a course PR. Um, I hadn't run that fast on the Boston course and Boston is hard, you know, it's hard. Um, I think my mindset has been to recover really well and just take some time to just absorb the feelings, the emotions of like having these two training cycles and, and just, you know, really recover well. And, and then slowly build up again and kind of let myself almost quote unquote, get out of shape. You know, you can't stay in a hundred percent a shape all year round. You have to have an off season, some downtime. So I've really been trying to honor that. Um, and then now is the time to kind of work on some shorter stuff and some speed stuff before 
running a fall marathon. I was just looking up a quote as you were talking because I, I, it reminded me of, uh, of something I'd heard. Again, they say originally I this is a tribute to Confucius, and now it's been changed. Like, all right, he didn't actually say this, but whoever said it was brilliant. So whatever. <laughs> The quote was, and this is in reference to your revenge marathon phrase, which I love. It says, before you embark on a journey of revenge, dig two graves, one for yourself. Yes. Right. And I think when it comes to revenge marathons, like that is like, like, I think that aligns perfectly. Yeah. I mean, some people are lucky enough to get away with it, but it usually does not go well doing that. I mean, your body is just like, you know, I mean, a marathon is a big deal. Your body goes through a lot, and so you got to give it time to to heal from all of all of the uh, the pounding and all of that. So you mentioned before, you know, from like your mid mid to late forties that you were really like were pretty heavily focused on marathon type stuff, right? Either marathon pace and races, or other races and training that were related to your marathon goals. More recently, like you just mentioned. Focusing more on the speedier stuff, the quicker stuff. Uh, how do you feel like that has either affected your your marathon pace or just changed your your training outlook as you've pivoted to more speedier stuff? You know, when it's not marathon time. Yeah, I, you know, the number one thing that we talk about, like Gerald and I will talk about, or we talk about with the kids at the dinner table, and like you know, we always you know we'll chat about what's happening with running at some point. We talk about a bunch of other things at dinner too, not just running. But sometimes I'll say like, oh, you know, I feel like, you know, I I, I know I can run faster. Like, why isn't it coming out? And then somebody will say, it's usually Gerald. It's like, because you need to work on your speed. You need to work on the faster stuff. That's why. And then it's all going to come together when you run the marathon. Duh. Kind of thing. You know, we laugh about it. Let's and I'm talk like, about yeah. Gerald's marathon PR since he's going to be dispensing advice. <laughs> What's his marathon PR? Yeah. Oh man, Matt, he's run one, and which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. And I think it was like four something. So he's he's in a good position to give you advice on this. Oh yeah, he's in an excellent position. <laughs> he's such a running coach. He ran the marathon without training for it. I mean, you know, everybody should get marathon advice from Gerald. <laughs> and I, I say this with love. If you don't know, like Gerald's a great guy. And, <laughs> yeah. we we're actually talking we're maybe we we're talking before we even got on but anyway that's the, that's hysterical but in this case it's not like he's wrong right because here you are you're doing that exact thing he's not wrong i mean like you know the thing about him is that if he would actually train he'd actually be a very he's a very talented runner naturally he just doesn't want to train and that's fine not right now which is good but anyway yes the point is, is that I have to work on speed. So it's about the 5K, the 10K speed, the one mile um, speed. And just, you know, and that's, you know, it's interesting, like running with my son, Josh. And now my daughter, Megan, um, they're very like into the speed stuff, as all kids are. Kids want to be like, how yeah. fast can I run? You know? And so running with them kind of like naturally makes me a little faster anyway. And now I just, now I'm working with, you know, with Jared, my coach, and we're, we're really focused on the 5k, 10k speed. And that's what we'll work on this summer, um, which will end up overlapping with summer marathon training, you know, if I want to do a fall marathon, but I feel like if I kind of like, don't really think about the marathon and just think about being quick in the 5k, then it'll all come together. Do you enjoy those workouts? 
I do. I like going to the track. I really do. Like, it's it's fun for me. It's kind of like a different, and you kind of feel like a badass when you're standing on the track. You're like, yeah, you know. Um, I do like the track. I like the roads. We have been working on, you know, hill sprints um, has been, and I really feel like over time that the hill sprints has made me stronger. I can feel it. Between that and like the lower body lifting, um, yes, for everybody listening, I have felt like that's made a big difference in my overall, just how I feel in the marathon. And not, I mean, there's a speed element too, but I will say like, I can feel the difference at like 21 and 22 miles into a marathon when you're kind of like, oh, everything's starting to break down. Like, I really feel like, yes, I'm stinking tired, but I'm not like I'm really breaking down because I've been doing all of that, you know, that really important base work. I also want to give a shout out to Running Warehouse. I love Running Warehouse. It's the spot where I get all of my running gear online. They have all of the new releases. They have unbelievable sales. They have fantastic reviews on all the shoes and they have all the updated stats and the information, how a shoe fits. Is it too, is it really wide? Is it a little bit too long? Do you need to size up, size down? They have all the information that you need. They're getting better all the time. And I just can't recommend it highly enough. I've been a huge proponent of Running Warehouse for many years. It's a website that I literally check every day, maybe to my wife's dismay, but it's absolutely fantastic. You can go check out Running Warehouse by using the link in the show notes. That is an affiliate link, which doesn't mean anything for you. It doesn't change the pricing at all, but it does help the show. So go use that link in the show. Also, as you may know, every single episode that I'm doing an interview, I always do my five shoe questions sponsored by Running Warehouse. And that's exactly what we did today. Also, you can check all those out over on YouTube as well at the Rambling Runner YouTube channel. Yeah, I agree. And I think that working at those speedier things and maybe this is just like how I view the world. And maybe it's not really, maybe other people don't feel the same way. But I just feel like I'm more of an athlete when I do those sorts of things. Not that I'm not an athlete when I'm not, but I just feel like I'm more of a complete athlete when I have that other piece in me. And also, like, if you go from marathon cycle to marathon cycle, I just think it's, it can be easy to kind of lose that top end speed. And I think it also comes back quick. That's the thing about the top end speed. It's not like the aerobic base, which takes forever. I feel like it does come back relatively quickly, but I notice it, right? If after coming off a marathon cycle, if I haven't done a lot or if I've been like not getting into the strides or I haven't done the hill strides the way I should, it, it feel like I'll go do 10K pace. I'm like, wow, this feels more like 5K pace <laughs> in terms of like not my breathing, my legs. They feel like they'll feel hollow, right? They just don't have that extra gear in them, um, especially after like a couple minutes. So, you know, my coach is a big big proponent of the hill strides especially for masters athletes and i and i've like completely adopted that same mindset as well yeah and i you know i coach um a roster of athletes and i i prescribe that for them as well as like you know throwing in the strides strides are a great way to get leg speed quick fast leg speed um turnover without feeling like you're doing anything that's overwhelming just kind of throwing it in during the week a couple times like it makes a difference yeah, and it's fun. I think there was definitely a time in my life when I like basically ignored every time my coach put strides on the calendar. Yeah, if I did, I did. If I didn't, I didn't. Um, I think that was also just like the folly of youth. But I now that I like now I see like I'm excited to do it. I think I think they're fun. As before, I was like, all right, how much can this really matter? It's really like 
one minute of speed if you add up all these strides. Like, how much is that really going to matter? And it's funny. It's like it's almost like when you go and look at like the price tag on an object, you're like, all right, this can't be that good. It's cheap. It's inexpensive, so it must not be very good. It's like that's how I kind of view strides. Like it's so it's so little. It can't be any good. It's like no, there's just a lot of value there. There's a lot. If you stack it up over time, it's it's huge. Yeah, for sure. So are you going to be doing any speed stuff with your kids then? I mean, I guess we'll kind of like start integrating these two topics now. Like at what point does your training potentially overlap with theirs? Or do there are certain points where you can kind of like bring them in or you join them on whatever their pursuits are? So with my son, Josh, so he is, you know, he's 16. He just finished his sophomore year. So he's going into his junior year. Um, and you know, he's, his coach at his high school is just super, is an amazing coach. They have a really solid program. So he's, and he just started, um, training yesterday and now they're going to, they're training every single day over the summer, every single day. And then they'll go to running camp. So it's very, very intense, uh, in a good way. They have fun. Um, but like there was a little bit of a gap between, um, him starting with cross country with the team. And so he and I will, would run together every day. And yeah, it's kind of like, it was, it, it's almost like with Josh, like we do it together. It's not like I'm bringing him in to my workouts or he's bringing me into his. It's kind of like, we'll do it together. I mean, sometimes it's like, he's like, Oh mom, what are you doing today? And I'm like, Oh, I'm running six and a half miles with, you know, 20 second pickups. He's like, Oh, great. I'll do that too. Just cause he doesn't have, like, he hasn't started with the team yet. So we were doing stuff like that together. And that to me is the joy of my life. It is so fun because Josh, you know, is literally born into all of this. I mean, you know, I mean, I ran with him when I was pregnant for a little while. He was in the jogging stroller with me. He was running at a really young age. And like, I let him guide whatever, he wanted to do with the sport. And he just naturally was like, I love running. Let's do it. And, and so we, we kind of like let him obviously choose his path. So he's chosen this path. It's now developed into this 16 year old kid that I get to run with. It is so fun. We laugh, we talk, we tell jokes. He pushes me. He has gotten so strong. He's literally like, I call him my mountain goat. So he just runs all these trails around where we live and he's bounding up the hills and, you know, he's running faster than me, obviously, which is good. I get, you know, definitely want him running faster than me. And, um, and it's, it's, that is the joy of my life. Like just seeing him grow in the sport, us running together. Um, and then with Megan, my daughter who just turned 13, she's going into seventh grade or no, I'm sorry. She's going into eighth grade. She just finished seventh grade. Um, it's funny with her. So she ran cross country and track in seventh grade this past year. And she was like, kind of like whatever about it. Right. She was not like, which is great. That's how you should be at 13 years old. And so, um, she didn't train or practice on her own. She would just go to practice with the, with the team and whatever happened happened. And I was like, you know, she'll figure it out one way or the other. She'll figure out she likes it, she doesn't, or, you know, it's her thing. So she came to me about a month ago and was like, I wonder what would happen if I actually trained. And I was, and I didn't say anything. And I was like, well, that's up to you. Like, 
So now she's running practically every day. I mean, you know, maybe four or five times a week. And she runs with me and it's all like, what do you want to do? And she's like, oh, I want to run more today. And I want to try this today. And I love that because I'm like, and I always tell my kids, just because I'm a runner and I really love the sport doesn't mean that you have to do this sport. You can do whatever you want to do and you should try a bunch of different things. Um, but so, yeah, we've been running together this summer so far and um, I love it. I absolutely love it. It sounds like you have such a healthy approach with them. Is it hard not to dispense advice as someone who has all this hard won knowledge to be like, you mentioned like your daughter comes to you and like, again, she's kind of has a laissez-faire approach to it. You're like, whatever, she'll figure it out. She comes to you, says something. You could have easily given her like 15 things. Here's 15 awesome ways you can get better as a runner. Instead, you took a very interesting approach. Um, obviously that was a calculated decision. How hard is it not to dispense advice when you have so much to give about a topic that you really enjoy? Sometimes it can be hard. Um, I will say to them, Hey, if you don't want to get injured, do a dynamic warm up, And they know they see me do it a thousand times. How many times have they seen me do a dynamic warm up? So they know. And I'm like, I'm not going to, obviously, it's your choice, but like, if you don't want to get injured, do a dynamic warm-up. And, and so they'll, they, they definitely, and that's kind of like my little bit of advice. Probably the other little thing that I sneak in when I try to do it without me, like, seeming like I'm telling her what to do, but Megan is tall, like Gerald, and she tends to kind of like, she's a little gangly, like, you know, in a very cultish type of way. She's, you know, she's growing and, um... And so I say to her, like, if you do a little bit of core work, it will help you with your form, especially when you get tired. And and then I just kind of leave it. And like sometimes she'll get on the floor with me and do core work. And sometimes she's like, nah, I'm not doing it. And I'm just like, I'm like, whatever you want to do. Because honestly, like, you have to do that. Like, I never want to be a parent that's like in any way overbearing or putting my, you know, love or thoughts or whatever about running and pushing it off on them. In fact, this is an interesting story. So, you know, I've been able to coach two of Josh's teams. And so I coached him in middle school just for a short amount of time. And I always asked his permission, like, is this okay? Because if it's not okay with you, I am out of here. And he's always like, mom, I want you to coach me. You've already, you're already my coach. I want you to coach me in a formal manner on this team. And then it was interesting in high school, his freshman year last year, um, there was a position available to, to coach, to assistant coach this team in high school. And high school is a step up, you know, that's a bigger step up from middle school. Um, and so he came to me and said, mom, they need a coach for the team. Would you do it? And so, and I, I think it's important to say that um, for people out there that are kind of like thinking, like, how did they approach it with their kids? Or like, you know, do I want to coach my kid's team? And so he asked me to do it. And he's like, you would be a phenomenal coach. Um, and so that's how that happened. I would only do that if he was okay with it. And I just think that you really have to let them lead. Let them lead. And if they, and you know, of course you're going to give them little bits of advice. And, but then as they go on, and I think the interesting thing is, is that 
and this happened with Megan, like once they get to the actual races over time and they see that they're coming in last place or second to last place, like one of two things is going to happen. They're going to be like, I'm fine, like just finishing the race or some little pit of something is going to happen and they're going to say, man, I want to do better. Like, how can I, how can I do better? You know, and that's kind of what happened with Megan. She was like, all right, I'm done with this. I'm ready to train and kind of see what I can do. And then I think also too, you know, you are, as a parent, if you're a runner, you are a role model for them. I mean, they see me literally going out the door every single day. They see me lifting weights. They see me on the floor doing core work. And like, and I know it's kind of like, if you're looking at, you know, a poll of parents, I mean, that's 0.1% of parents that are like really serious about their marathons, you know what I mean? Um, and so I just happen to be, you know, in that category. And so they get they get a firsthand look at it, just like if, if I was an actor and they saw me going on auditions every single day. And those kids sometimes tend to go into acting, right? Um, and so they see it. And so it's kind of like, you can choose. You know, Elle, my youngest, is choosing, like, she's like, you know, do I, she asked me the other day, Matt, she said, do I have to be a runner? Everybody in our family runs and they love it. And you guys have so much fun. Do I have to do it? I said, absolutely not. You do not have to do it. She really loves soccer. She loves dance and she loves to bake. She's super creative and she likes to run maybe a mile and she, you know, but she's not like sure that she wants to do that. And I'm like, that is fine. And like, so then a lot of times I'll go on my run and then later I'll go on a short run running beside her while she's biking because she really likes to bike. And, you know, she even thinks she wants to try a triathlon because she's an excellent swimmer. She loves to bike and she likes running. Maybe she'll end up growing into it. But anyway, the point is, is like, let them guide what they want to do. I love that. Now, when you were coaching the middle school team and I guess we'll focus on the middle school teams right now. Um, that's an interesting age group because usually for a lot of these kids, especially with running, it's a sport that usually there people are introduced to in a team setting in the middle school, right? It's not like not a lot of running teams for like the six, the six year olds, right? That's more like the soccer and some of the ball sports and stuff like that. Right. So as these kids are coming out for those teams, how were you approaching them in a way to build that love of running and interspersing that with their running expertise and like how much of it was from each, each pot? Good question. The The team that I was, um, the last middle school team that I coached, it ended up being all boys. We didn't have any girls, unfortunately, on the team. And I was really bummed because I love having girls, you know, be a part of it. Um, so we had, a, um, you know, about 10 boys and I just made it fun. I was just like, you know what, we're going to go play. And we would go to different um you know, we would go to different trails. We would kind of like explore different parts around the school where, where we were. And it happened to be a beautiful area where there's a lot of places to run. And, um, I ended up getting lucky. I got a good group of boys that, that wanted to be there and they found it fun. Some more than others, we would do fun games where they would work on their speed, but it would be more of like a game aspect. Um, and I just tried to go into it every day at practice and just smile and be like, let's have fun. 
let's, you know, we're just going to have a great time together. And that's kind of how I ran the program. And it ended up being a lot of fun for everybody. That's great. And I love that you were so explicit about it. How did that manifest itself uh, on race day? So specifically, like, after the race ended, right? So some kids are going to be happy. Some kids are probably going to be less so. We talked about the exact same conundrum with the marathon, right? Like, hey, when you don't run the way you want to run, how do you handle it, right? How did you handle it as a coach with middle school athletes when maybe the race didn't go the way they wanted to and you're trying to kind of inculcate them with, like, the fun of the sport? First, I would always praise them, you know, because these are young kids and you want them to know that you're proud of them no matter what. So it was kind of like, you know what? You guys went out there and you worked really hard. Cross country is a really hard sport and it's probably the hardest sport in my opinion. And you did it. You worked your your butt off to be at this point. And no matter what the race results are showing, you guys worked really hard as a team. And then we kind of talk about like, breaking down the race and like some of the things that they could work on. A lot of these races in cross country, even for middle school, for us here in California are some pretty challenging courses. There's a lot of hills and dirt and grass and a lot of elements to navigate through. And so we would talk and some of them would come to me and say, how can I get better? And we would talk about that, like uh, go on a run on the weekend, not the whole weekend, but maybe Saturday, just go run. Uh, and just getting a little bit more time on your feet. And, um, but I always would try to really lift them up, lift up the kids. And, uh, and I think that's the number one thing you can do as a coach, not only for middle school and high school kids, but for adults too. Everybody wants to feel like they're being lifted up and that they're, you're, you're picking out the positive points instead of talking about what they didn't do right. Everyone wants to feel, because at the end of the day, we're doing this because it's fun. And we are choosing to do it. So let's make it as enjoyable as possible. Now, I've always known you as a very positive person. And you are and you absolutely come across this way every time we spoke, every time we speak, including this conversation right now, especially the answers you just gave about these younger runners. Is this a quality that you have had or talk to me about how you, if, if it isn't, how you've adopted it and why, because it really is something that is remarkable. And I'm sitting here I'm like rethinking all my life decisions about how I approach things <laughs> because I can oftentimes veer towards the negative side much more than I would like. And I know I'm not the only one in that the situation, but it's, it's definitely a quality that I want to get better at. And I look at you as a prime example of someone who seemingly is doing a great job of it. Oh man. <laughs> Thanks Matt. I mean, you know, it's, I feel like I'm hardest on myself and sometimes I do have to give myself, I do have to have some serious self-talk with myself and, and really say to myself, how would you talk to your kids right now? How would you talk to your athletes right now? Would you say those things to them? Then why are you saying those things to yourself? You know, I can be pretty darn hard on myself and I've, been trying to honestly work on that and, and be a nicer person to myself. Um, it comes really easy and naturally for me to be excited and happy for other people and, and for my athletes and, and just to like, you know, show the positive side and, and guide them down the road. That's the positive one, you know, even if it seems like it's dark and they're injured and this is happening or whatever, but it's like, well, what's the positive part? Like, how can we get through this? 
Um, and I, and I would say, you know, like I just said, I think I, I could work on that more for myself. Um, and I think for anybody listening out there, you know, it's, you know, we know we have these achievements that we want in our lives and it's like, you can either choose to just like be kind to yourself while you're trying to get there, or you can be really, you know, nasty to yourself. And I don't think that's not good for your mental psyche. It's not good for, for anything. So that's for me. For my athletes, that comes easy because I, I love all of them. They're they're always like they come to me because they genuinely want to be a better runner. So that right there, they're already winning because they're like coming to you because they want to become a better runner. So it's easy. And if they and usually they're really good about putting in the work and that has to come from them that I can't you know, I can't make them do the work. Yeah, they have sure. to want to do it. Right. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. There's def- it's definitely different with an adult who's like, you know, coming to you proactively and paying you to for the assistance. Like they're, they've already crossed that threshold of like the want to part of it, you know, for sure. For sure. Well, this I was going to been- say too, I did have, I've had, you know, a couple like talking about kids specifically and you, and I think, you know, people that coach younger kids can understand this. Like there's definitely those kids that are on the team because their parents made them right. I am that parent. I'm not going to lie. My kids love sports. They do. But the problem is, if you ask them if they want to play a sport, the answer is always the same. No, I don't want to play that sport. Why? You love that sport. Literally. My son today, he was playing baseball in the front yard for two hours with himself or his friend. Right? Comes inside. I, I kid you not. The first thing he does when he walks inside the house is goes. he comes right up to me. He goes, Dad. Please don't sign me up for baseball. It's like, why? You are literally playing it nonstop at our house. He says, well, I just don't want to play. He comes up with some random excuse that doesn't make any sense. It's like, it's too hot. I'm like, it's too hot. We start in March. What are you talking about? Anyway, so like, I, I swear to God, I, have, I am the parent that has to sign my kids up because if I only went by them, they would never sign up for anything. Yeah. Even though they like it. So, like, I'm always in this conundrum. Again, this podcast isn't about me. But when you were like, oh, my kids all love these, all these things they want to sign up for them. I'm like, oh, I wish my kids would do that. I'm the kid. I'm the dad. Like, for a while, my daughter was like, hey, I don't want to do these things. I was like, okay, I'm not going to be that dad. I'm not going to be that dad. Fine. You want to do it? Fine. And finally, I'm like, we've gone a year and a half. You haven't done anything. What's going I know. On? I'm, gonna, I'm signing you up for something. So if you don't tell me what it is, it's going to be my choice. So finally, I had to, like, put my foot down. Yeah, I mean, there definitely is that, you know, that middle ground where it's like they do need a, a little bit of a nudge sometimes because you're like, well, you're just not going to sit in the house and do nothing. you got to pick something. Now, what you pick is up to you, but pick something. But it is interesting because I have had some kids who come to cross country and you can just tell that their parents are the ones <laughs> who are like, you're running cross country. And they have this look on their face like, I really don't want to be here. And so that's where, you know, making it playful and joyful and some of them catch on to it and some of them are trudging through it until the end of the season. And that's okay too. And you just hope that at some point they'll draw back on it because I always tell my kids too, I'm like, you know, I'm just not my own, but like, you know, kids that I'm coaching that, um, even if you decide not to become a distance runner, you are going to use this. Like you want to be a better soccer player? run. You want to be good in basketball? You got to run up and down the court. 
you know, whatever sport you you use, running is going to help you. So even if this isn't your main sport, like, you know, you're going to get something out of this to use. So yeah, for sure. It's foundational to basically every sport. No question about it. Even like freaking like NASCAR drivers, like they have to have endurance. They're out there for six hours. Right, like they have to have endurance doing something. You ever seen like their heart rate strap? They have it now. Like I don't, I don't watch, I don't watch auto racing. I don't. But my father-in-law, and he lives literally across the street from me. He loves it. It's his favorite sport. So I watch it occasionally with him. It's like they have their heart rate monitor straps, and it goes onto the television screen. So like I want to have this for like the New York City Marathon, right? Come on, if we can get this for NASCAR, we're like, who cares what their heart rate is, right? Versus like a runner. Like this actually matters. So like they're they're, they're like at 145. Like the whole race. They're in zone <laughs> 2 the whole time. And they're not even moving. So if they it, need if to it matters runners. to them, it matters to every other sport. No That's question right. about it. Um all right. Natalie, we're going to get into the five running shoe questions presented by Running Warehouse. If you are watching this over on YouTube, go check out my podcast episode with Natalie over on the Rambling Runner podcast. So, Natalie, the first question, as always, is what is your favorite daily trainer? All right. I came prepared, Matt. All right. So my favorite daily trainer currently is the Brooks Glycerin or the Ghost. That's what I run in one of the two every single day, pretty much. A lot of similarities between the two. Why would you choose one over the other? Like say like you have both in your hand, you're choosing one as you have one for a preference for certain kind of runs versus another. The glycerin has a little bit more cushion. I mean, they're both very well cushioned shoes, but there's something about the glycerin that is just a little more like cloud like in my opinion. Um, and so if I'm going on an easy, you know, eight mile run, like that's like a perfect shoe for that. The ghost is very cushioned as well. Sometimes it just comes down to what do I feel like today? Um, and I, and I, and I always tell people, you know, have two pairs of shoes, don't run in the same pair of shoes every single day, rotate your shoes. So sometimes I'm like, oh, I just feel like running in the glycerin today or whatever. So just a gut feeling. Yeah. I love it. All right. How about race day? Talk to me about your favorite race day shoes. And I say shoes because, again, if you're doing a different kind of race, maybe you'll have a couple different pairs that you would choose from. So this is a really hard question <laughs> because I have not found my favorite racing shoe yet. Yeah. Oh. I have not. So I raced uh, the Boston Marathon in the Hyperion Elite 3 from Brooks. And yeah, it's just, I want to love this shoe. I do, but I don't. My body doesn't love it. So I've heard, I've heard it's a little bit on the firm side compared to some of the other racers. It's a little bit on the firm side. And I think for me, I, my body is asking for something different. I have not found it yet. And I've heard that they're coming out with a new version, like in late 23, early 24. So it'll be interesting to see what that looks like. But I tried. <laughs> I tried. Gotcha. gotcha. All right. Do you remember the shoe that was your first, your first love? Like the, the first running shoe that you're like, oh, this is the shoe for me. Yes. I mean, I, I'm trying to remember. I, I remember Saucony. And I, I'm pretty sure that I've been running for so long, Matt, but I think that was the first shoe that I ran in. And I was like, I ran in Saucony for a long time. 
Um, so I'm going with that. Saucony is the first. All right. Is there a specific model that you wanted to love? Right. You were so excited to get it. And then ultimately, unfortunately, it just didn't work for you specifically. Back to the uh, Hyperion Elite. Mm -hmm. I really wanted to want wanted and want that shoe to work. You know, it's just not. For, and I'm sure other people, another runner, because we're all different, would love it. But it just didn't work for me. Gotcha. All right. Last question. As always, before we get into it. Natalie, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. As always, last question. If money was no object in 2023, is there a certain shoe that you would love to get? The shoe that's going to help me run a two-something in the marathon. <laughs> Break so, that three-hour period. That is. Gotcha. <laughs> Natalie, thank you so much for coming on the show. This was an absolute pleasure. Thanks so much for having me, Matt. This is so fun.